Do you want to start a podcast? Come on, I got lots to say. We're never in theaters anymore. It's real, real bore. That's all I got. Welcome to the Billion Dollar Movie Club. <laughs> yes, welcome to this week's episode of the Billion Dollar Movie Club, the show where we look at movies and they made money and we fully understand why they made money. I think this is one of those weeks where it's like, yes, we know why you made money because this week we're talking about Frozen. Let's introduce ourselves. I forgot to introduce <laughs> ourselves. I was like, wait, how do I say? I am Christian Simpson. And I'm Pawan Mehta. Pawan, do you feel a slight breeze coming in from the northerly western front? As if it's a little too cold, maybe under 32 degrees Fahrenheit. Almost as if the ground itself were frozen. Yes, today we're talking about the hit 2013 Disney. Can we say classic? I think it's officially a classic by now. Right? Hmm. Seven sure. years classic. Sure. Frozen. That is a movie that we saw. Yeah. It's Hold great. on. I, uh, here we go. Frozen released on November 27th, 2013. Boy, this came out on my birthday back in 2013. Did you see it on your birthday? I did not. Fun fact, months before it came out, I saw, ooh, Disney has a movie coming out on my birthday. Oh, it has princesses on it. That sucks. And later, I would find out that I love this movie. Um, we're going with a budget of $150 million. Its opening weekend was, uh, it grossed $67.4 million at the box office. It was the highest Thanksgiving debut at the time, as well the high, as the highest Walt Disney Animation debut. However, it opened at number two at the box office. For and what was number one, Miss Simpson? The Hunger Games Catching Fire was in its second weekend and still making a shit ton of money. But not don't a million. Worry. No, no. Don't, don't worry. Frozen would go on to be number one at the box office in its second weekend as well as its sixth weekend. Now you may ask, that's a large <clears throat> gap. What movie came out in between? During Frozen's third and fifth weekends. Juan, do you remember a little song I sang on the podcast? The, the Hobbit? Yes. Turns out they didn't need my song because people remembered Desolation of Smaug enough because it was <laughs> number one for three weekends. Oh, wow. Wait, the second one? Yes, Desolation of Smaug. Right, right. Don't worry, though. Frozen eventually crosses a billion dollars. Uh, the official date is March 3rd, 2014. The film would go on to gross $400 million domestically and $1.28 billion worldwide. Now, Pawn, I would like to throw in this very odd thing that, uh, that it says next, this little asterisk. Mm -hmm. Okay. I lost the asterisk. Here it is. It's next to its box office. Box Office Mojo stopped updating its main total for Frozen in August 2014 while it was still in release. The total listed here incorporates subsequent earnings in Japan, Nigeria, Spain, the United Kingdom, and Germany up to the end of 2015, but omits earnings in Turkey, Iceland, Brazil, and Australia in 2016. 
which amount to a few hundred thousand dollars. The total is rounded to one million dollars to compensate for the numerical inaccuracy. <laughs> this thing would never die. <clears throat> so they yeah. said, fuck it. Just round it up. <laughs> That's how much money it made. <laughs> it a lot. At I, the time, I, it was the 19th highest grossing film domestically and fifth worldwide. It mm-hmm. currently sits at number 39 domestically and 16 worldwide. You're going to say something? I, 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 I cut you off. I remember uh, that uh, that winter 20... What, what year did this come out? 2013. I remember that winter 2014 where like it was like huge, huge snow everywhere. And I was like, you know what? This movie has been in theater so long. I want to see it. <laughs> and then, like, at a certain point, it was still in theaters, but they also released the, like, on-demand version mm. for, like, cable. Yeah. So, like, while it was still in theaters, I saw it at home for, like, it- not $20. See, I did not see this in theaters. I, perhaps I watched this at home. We don't know. There is not any illegal doings here. Ooh. Was that perhaps the, the last film I may or may not have <laughs> did some doings to watch? Perhaps. My family enjoyed that film. I think it was the first movie that we actually rented on demand. I don't think I've ever done that yet, actually. No, I've done that now that movies don't come out in theaters. <laughs> that truth Juan, what happens in this movie so uh we we got these two kids two kids, kids. one of them two one kids. of them's one of them's got the mice got get got that ice the mice is this cinderella now she, she's got that ice she accidentally does the ice on the other sister and i ain't talking jewelry <laughs> what it, it's it's slang you know like i got the ice like you know crystals and shit I was unaware, but go on. Go on. Um, so, like, they erase the, the sister's memory to preserve her health, and now they're separated, but they come together on the coronation day. But then she's like, oh, no, my ice is too much for y'all to handle, and she leaves, and the other one goes after her, and then she gets her. Now, um, well done with that summary, except for the fact that I don't think it's accurate. Oh. Hannah doesn't get Elsa. They're both brought back to the kingdom. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, like, she goes after her. She's like, no, I ain't coming back. And then Anna starts heading back. And then the people from the village are like, let's kill the ice. And then they imprison her there. And then they're free. That's the movie. I was I wasn't tr- I wasn't trying to to be a dick or anything. It's just something I realized as you said it. Cause like yeah, that's a wait a minute. So Frozen is a film. I enjoy it very much. I don't know how you feel about this film. I I very much thoughts. enjoy it as well. It's I think, inarguably, the most iconic Disney film of the century? Hmm. Uh, Disney animated film. I'm trying to think. I feel like there's other big ones. Uh, Actually, no. 
Because what what else is there? Home on the range. Why? <laughs> yeah, that Roseanne vehicle, Home on the Range. Roseanne and Judy Dench. And you I know, mean, I tangled. Lo- come on. One, I love the Hawaiian roller coaster ride, but no one's humming that the way they're humming "Let It Go." <sighs> Lilo and Stitch was severely underrated. Really good. Did you ever watch the show? No. That show was my shit growing up. <laughs> And they do like crossovers with like Kim Possible and then like Recess. It's like, why? I have so many Wait, questions so, now. So did like the kids from Recess just take a vacation trip to Hawaii? They had a field trip to Hawaii <laughs> and the teacher was like just staying in the hotel and they ran into Lilo and Stitch and they helped Stitch find one of his cousins. They let these like third graders just go to a different state <laughs> yeah. without parent supervision? Yeah. There were, what? It was... <laughs> It was four shows. It was that, <clears throat> Kim Possible, and I think like American Dragon, Dr- Jake Long. and I mean, else. those two shows kind of make sense because, you know, they're at least like in high school. So like, yeah, you could see them going on a trip to a different state. I know this is a, a podcast about the movie Frozen, but I'm looking up about Leo and Stitch the series now. Now I have questions. <laughs> We apologize right, let's, to interrupt the, your your regularly scheduled program. Let's let's see how many crossovers this had. Let's Ooh, see. Lilo what... and Stitch the series is now on Disney Plus. Mm. Yeah, so it was four episodes: American Dragon, Jake Long, then Proud Family, Kim Possible, and then the kids from Recess. Okay, three of those make sense. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it to you to guess which ones, listener. This is a quiz for you. See if you could figure it out. Whoa. Yeah. Pause the show. Take a second. Let the thoughts formulate in your mind and talk it out with yourself. And then. Re- so you're going to pause it, right? When I say now, you're going to pause it. He are, they already paused and then you're it since you said back. now. <laughs> now, when we say that, recess. Yes. Yes. This was the answer. So frozen. And for those of you who figured it out, good on you, man. Good on you. Get yourself a cookie. Give I mean, yourself we, a hug. We'll, we'll give you a digital cookie here. <laughs> now you're going to get ads about Leo and Stitch the series. <laughs> <laughs> so I believe this is the first musical we are talking about on this podcast. It is the first musical, except for... No, there's no. Ex- I was gonna say <laughs> Randy Newman has a song in Toy Story Three. I mean, song. like, it's interesting when you think of like Titanic, considering how it tried to be like a movie that encompassed as many genres as, as possible. Hmm. How it there wasn't like a musical moment. There is. There's a dance sequence. Yeah, but that's not a musical moment. Um, you're being mean to the art of dance now. Do you mean musical as in start to sing? Yes. That's different. But music is such an important element to Titanic already. Yeah. My heart will go on. The dance sequence. When the band's standing there playing as the, the, the boat sinks. Nobody puts baby montage. in the corner. <laughs> Juan, have you watched Titanic? Or did you just fake your way through that podcast? <laughs> Maybe. I have a confession to make. (laughs) 
I have not seen a single one of these movies. Wow. <laughs> Incredible. This is, is this why you had that inaccuracy in the Frozen synopsis? Because you didn't watch it. <laughs> Uh, I, I do want to point out, uh, directed by Chris Buck and Jennifer Lee. That's a, mm-hmm. uh, they co-directed it. Jennifer Lee, the first female director to, to direct a uh, Walt Disney animation film, and the first female director to cro- uh, cross a billion dollars with one of their films. Mm. I believe the only, which is a, a, a sad thing. Mm. But she's done it with uh, Frozen. She wrote this movie. Um... It's a delight. You know, one aspect of this movie I wasn't expecting to love as much considering the the stuff that has come out since. Hmm. Olaf. Olaf is hysterical. <laughs> Olaf is it's a it's he sprinkled in very well. Yeah. I when when we think of this movie, I think a lot of people's first reaction is to groan and disgust because of how oversaturated we were with Frozen. And really, it never felt like it died. But going back, it's like, whoa. Olaf is adorable. He is a child experiencing everything for the first time. He's not in the first half of the movie. It takes a while to introduce him. Yeah. He reminds me of um, Timon and Pumbaa. In one character? Well, I always I always think of Timon and Pumbaa being this this presence throughout the entire film, and then I rewatched it in like once and it was like, oh, it takes forever to, for them to show up, but they yeah. really just steal the damn show. Yeah, that's why they made uh, Lion King one and a half, or, which is the superior movie. <laughs> I thought you were gonna bring up Timon and Pumbaa, the television series. I mean that too, but Lion King one and a half. If, if you haven't seen it, because I think it was a straight-to-DVD movie. That's one of the few Disney straight-to-DVD movies from that time period. It holds up. I've never seen it. So, say say that... Uh, I for, What's the uh, play that uh, Lion King is supposed to be from Shakespeare? Hamlet? Yes. So, like... It's Rosencrantz and the Guildenstern Gild- are, are dead, right? Yes. Uh, one and a half. Yes. It's great. It's a beautiful film. <laughs> so Frozen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a lot of ice. A lot of ice. I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. I found the opening, uh, the first act, the animation to uh, feel a little aged. Hmm. How so? Something about... Um, it will, it, it just didn't seem as textured maybe. I, I, I don't, I'm not an animation fanatic or anything, so I don't, I can't really specify, but a lot of the, like, people in the back, like, you know, in, in, like, hand-drawn cartoons, when a character is going to interact with an object, and so it's, like, highlighted and a little, um, bolded, the lines. Okay. It felt like that with, like, the calorie, like, Anna. And Elsa, like they were sticking out from everything else, and I hmm. can't. It it seemed really weird. I'll be honest, I didn't notice that. The thing I noticed about the beginning is um, how it felt more like um like 
a montage to get through the backstory most more so than anything else it's like yeah yeah. it's like Mm -hmm. they saw up and was like we should do something similar (laughs) i forget how long that prologue is yeah i mean it's like what 15 20 minutes it feels like it because it keeps going and then you have do you want to build a snowman which adds to it the the thing from the prologue that I mean, it's morbid, but I just can't help but laugh. Is uh, how the how the parents are like, "We'll be fine, Anna. It's just a couple weeks." Hard cut to their ship just getting rolled over. It is a very <laughs> there's no even build to it. It like fades into the next one, and but you see the ship as it's being encompassed <laughs> by the water. They were not playing with you, right? I mean, like the weird thing is, it feels like older disney that might have been most of the movie like the prologue you think older disney yeah, i mean like, like pre- you think of things like bambi where like the main thing was the emotional toil that came at the end so like they hit you with that well not at the end but like very close to it whereas this one it feels like they didn't want that to encompass the film or like be one of the main feelings you have so they just left it at the beginning hoping that the rest of the movie might overshadow it i have a question as someone who has no memories of watching bambi isn't bambi's mom killed early on is it early i thought it was like middle towards like the end when was the last time you watched bambi a while ago oh it's 70 minutes so it's very short. So who knows? But yeah, it feels like uh, feels like that was a very much abridged thing that might not have been the case before. Hmm. Hmm. Different sensibilities of the animation studio. I think that's a little bit of virtue of uh, the the art art form maturing. You're allowed to do more uh, cool looking stuff. You know, more extra, extra, extravagant, ambitious stuff. Well, I don't Bambi know is if early it's necessarily about the uh, visuals, but I'm talking more in terms of like the story beats and how they handle that. But the, the scope of the story as well, would you not say? Hmm. It's a long, whiny adventure compared to something like is the it? Bambi. Oh, uh, you get the climbing of the of the snow. You get uh, the the mountains. You get you get the the chased by the wolves. The one element of this movie that I felt was kind of underdeveloped for the first half is the kingdom. Yes, it does feel very generic, but I think that's because they run away from it. That they don't they don't want to take too much time. There's a like, lot you also assume. in terms of like the the prologue you don't really get a sense of these people as leaders of a country do they is it not i never thought of them as leaders of a country i literally just thought it was just them and that surrounding area i mean i don't know how large arendelle is hmm. like the town i thought was there what they were the kings and queens of I mean, even so, you don't really get much of a sense of them being leaders of a town either. Does this not 
So I think of first time in forever, right? Mm-hmm. And it's 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 this wonderful sequence when Anna is describing like the perfect day that's going to happen and how everything's going to line up. And I love the moments when she jumps in front of the portrait and she fits inside of these story of the book uh, images that she wants to be a part of. And this film very much challenges the idea of that storybook ending and mm-hmm. the fairy tales. And so I think it plays with those tropes early on that they don't need to develop the sense of royalty ruling the kingdom because you get that you you have that idea because of the uh, what we've seen before from Disney and their princesses. Huh. Okay, I see where you're coming from, but like the main demographic for this movie is children, so you can't really assume that they've seen all the other movies. You also can't assume that children are paying that deeply into <laughs> development of characters. Fair enough. (laughs) Children go, oh, it's a princess. Yeah, you sing. Yeah, that's another element that I find interesting, how in this one, they actually make her queen. Because, like, most of the other Disney princesses, they're that. They're princesses. So you don't really have to focus too much on duties to the kingdom they're in, in charge of or anything like that, because... They're just the princess. Um. Yeah. So you this get is... so you get the royalty without any of the hassle. Interesting, as you said. It is also the only time there's two princesses in one movie. Yeah. So you gotta play with that. I'd argue maybe a coming of age film for Elsa, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, which is an interesting factor that I don't I don't think like Beauty and the Beast is a coming of age film in the same way. Though, weirdly enough, I do think Beauty and the Beast did a better job of establishing its town. Oh, because it has that that opening number is about the town. The opening number in this is We're Sad Children. And then I want the town to be cool. I don't know what it is, but let's imagine it'll be cool. That's what the second number is. Beauty and the Beast. We'll get to it when we talk about Beauty and the Beast. But that that first. Oh yeah, we are wa- talking about a, a version beauty. of Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I also want to throw in a mention mm-hmm. of the uh, the young Elsa and Anna, and how adorable they are. <laughs> and later on, you'd see Disney like I think of Finding Dory when you have the baby Dory. Like they realize they have something that's just cheap uh, adorableness that is gonna grab the audience because. They're adorable children. And who doesn't love adorable children? It, there's a fine line. There's a fine line. Oh, well, obviously. <laughs> obviously. Uh, hmm. What do you feel about the opening number? The actual opening number? Which is about <laughs> making ice. Yeah, you completely ignored that. Okay. Can we talk about... All right, so the actual opening number. I vaguely remember it's there whenever I think about this movie. It's so much longer than I realized. I was like, really? Is this still going? Also, it starts off with like when it's the company logo. So there's like this weird uh, like chanting. Uh, can I say tribal shanty. music? Yeah. Sea shanty. It, I don't know. It reminded me of like Lion King or Brother Bear. <laughs> like why you know yeah it goes 
No, go on. Um, just side tangent. Uh, when I initially saw the trailer for Brother Bear, I was scared. Oh, I'm, I, that movie scared me. Like, There's not this... even the movie itself. The trailer scared me. I don't remember the trailer. <laughs> oh, I'm going to look it back. I'm going to look it back. At Joaquin Phoenix's most essential role. And I'm sure he's solid in it, but who'd have thunk? Yeah, his most essential role. We'll we'll talk about one of his less essential ones later. Walk the line? Why are we talking about walk the line? Yeah. Yeah. So about the music in this film, right? Well, no, no, no. Let's go back to that first number. Let's go back to that first number. It's there. I don't know. I feel like it sets up the moral pretty well. Like it sets up the theming of like, you know, you got to thaw the ice. Sure. Rebuild the connection by breaking it apart. <laughs> okay. Chipping away at what's destroying it. It reminds me of when was the last time you watched The Little Mermaid? It I mean I I don't exactly go back and watch Disney movies on a regular there, basis, so I watched it for the first time since the being a child like a year or two ago. It opens with a similar song. Of like the mermaid men singing about the sea or whatever. And it's like, I guess you're setting up the world. No one thinks about this song, let alone talks well, about it. Well, in this one, I don't know if it's setting up the world as much as setting up the like thesis in a sense. That's a good point. It's like when you see um I watched First Cow recently. Really you know, I movie. wanted to see that one. It's on um, Showtime or Stars right now. If you have it, oh, I don't have Stars, but if it's on Showtime, yeah, yeah, Showtime. So uh, it starts off with a quote, and that's like, oh, that's the idea of the movie. So I guess this song is that that version for children because children can't read, so they need exactly. a song to give <laughs> the idea. Can we talk about the music for this this movie? Uh, sure. What about it? How are we feeling? Um, uh, first off, I, I, I didn't mean for this, but I really enjoyed the score by Christoph Beck. Mm -hmm. I'm not too familiar with him. I'm looking at his Wikipedia page. He won an Emmy for Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Would go on to work on films such as Garfield, <laughs> The Pink Panther, uh, The Hangover. Oh, wait. He worked on the first Garfield, but not A Tale of Two Kitties? No, he did also work on A Tale of Two Kitties. Why would you leave that one out? I'm just running through... I mean, Kurt that's Jackson. the more important Garfield movie. <laughs> he did Ant-Man. Anyway, I, th I thought the music was very good, the the score. I love the how it builds when um, Elsa's running off and she's running on the, the, the lake. Mm. I thought it all worked very well there. Um, but the songs which I think is what makes this film the icon that it is, right? Mm -hmm. We only care about half the songs in this movie. Let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, again, um, Let It Go really overshadows everything. And I, I love, I, I, like, I love the soundtrack, but like, Let It Go is Let It Go. I think Love's an Open Door is a beloved one. Do You Want to Build a Snowman? But like, I always forget there's a first time in forever reprise when she's in the castle. Hmm. 
And it's really weird watching it because it starts off, they're just saying dialogue over the music to the rhythm. And then it turns to them singing to each other like like some lame shit. <laughs> but then but then Elsa fucking belts it and it's like, oh that worked. I don't remember it working, but it does work. I don't remember where I read or heard this, but uh I read or heard somewhere that like Let It Go was initially written to be a villain song, but then they were like, Oh no, this is this is too good to be for the villain. So they like restructured the plot around that. Interesting. Huh. Let it go really is the scene of the movie, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm partial to for the first time. Frozen Heart? Is it Frozen Heart? <laughs> Wait, which one oh. was that? I I think that's the opening with them <laughs> chopping the ice. <laughs> no, what did you say? Uh, for the first time in forever, I, I like that big, sequence. That's a, good one. that's a good one. I like that one in Love's an Open Door. Though, like the one thing I will say, it's like you know what, Anna's she's kind of rude to her staff, just picking up plates and giving it to other people. Like oh. you know what, maybe that person was at capacity in terms of holding plates. Anna's kind of an entitled bitch in the first half, who's only in her own world. And Elsa's like, calm down, Anna. And I was like, no, Elsa, I want this. It's like, really? You don't even have an I want song. Uh, love is an open door. Boom. It's a love song, which is so fun. Um, you know, I, one thing I will say about that song, though, that should give you a hint as to a twist that's coming up later in the movie. Does it? Yes. The way uh, he says, I like the way we finish each other's and then she says sandwiches that wasn't what he was going to say but he plays along with it to dupe her does it not feel like they're just two idiots i i understand how you could look back but that totally just feels like they're idiots yeah i'm just being i want to i want to dig into the uh the hans character later yeah but um i'd like to bring up uh, so Let It Go is about 30 minutes into this movie. That's like 100 minutes, right? Mm -hmm. I have not seen the stage production. But Let It Go is the act one finale. What the fuck do you do for the rest of the songs in that musical? How do you restructure it to get Let It Go to be the act one finale? I, I don't know. I do know the, um, the, the shop owner gets a song. Good for him. You know what? Good for him. <laughs> he, sh I think he comes back in Frozen Two, right? For a quick second. I haven't seen Frozen Two. All right. Well, he will. He will. Okay. Damn. <laughs> you will. You're gonna watch it. All right. You're gonna sit there. You're gonna write one or two notes. And then you know what? Maybe that's the movie where it. I won't write any notes. Fuck. Try me. <laughs> that's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> I, I do want to bring up the... I keep saying I do want to bring up. I got to stop saying that. Um, something I've noticed about Disney movies is how the last half or maybe just the final act uh, has so fewer songs than the rest of the movie. And they yeah. never end. They never end with a uh, like a grand finale song, which feels essential for a musical. Hmm. And I always... I That hit me one day a while ago and I was like, huh. It's because they have nothing else to say. 
everything's wrapped up and it kind of is a little sweet in the way that it just sets off and then i mean has that always been the case for disney movies um there's no big like little mermaid ends with them getting married and them waving goodbye uh how does beauty and the beast end i think beauty and the beast there's a little reprise of the title song uh, as they dance um how does aladdin end doesn't aladdin end with like genie blasting off or something yeah he was freed yeah so yeah it, it's just something that i never hit me until maybe like a year or two mm-hmm. while i was thinking about disney musicals like huh that's an interesting little thing that they do because if this was like trolls right and no offense to trolls i've never seen it but my understanding is that the justin timberlake song is the finale because i'm happy clap along that's despicable me (laughs) what can't stop the feeling oh no isn't that despicable me three oh yeah hold on which one is shrek do you know the story behind Justin Timberlake writing the song for Trolls? Uh, what was it? So Trolls is a musical, but like a jukebox musical. Yeah. And they couldn't find the right song for the finale. So Justin Timberlake was like, all right, you want I'll, I'll write you a number one hit for the finale. And he wrote them a number one hit. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> At least he was true to his word. <laughs> Do we want to talk about the, ca- the characters in this movie? Uh, you know what? Let's start with the shopkeeper because he shopkeeper. he he he's he's an OG. He, he's so he's so nice and and kind. But like, yo, the second he was like, "Yo, what did you just call me?" I really <laughs> love how that scene is lit because it's the light above him, and as he stands, his head leaves the light, but the light is still focusing on his very large body, just. <laughs> Showing you how large he is as a human being. It's like, holy crap. <laughs> so, like, for that to work, like, the floor behind that, uh, behind the, like... The desk. The desk. Yeah. It has to be so much lower, right? <laughs> what if he's just pulled, the seat is pulled all the way back, but he's just leaning forward? <laughs> He's like at a at a fifteen degree angle, leaning forward. <laughs> I have a question about that scene semantics. Okay. Did Anna pay for this stuff? That's that's what the, it implies, but like she never holds money. <laughs> that girl does not know what a dollar is worth. <laughs> Is it because they probably have different currency? Perhaps. But like, she has all these servants. Who pays these servants? Who pays the servants? Is it the Again, taxes? This is the sort of thing where it's like, how is this place run? They never explain. Well, you're right. You're right on that. <laughs> but yeah, it bothered me that he threw out Kristoff for not having enough money. He had like 10 whatever. No, no, it wasn't because he didn't have enough money. It's because he called him Oh, you're a thug. <laughs> Shots were fired, but he wasn't prepared for their Listen, reflecting if bullets. If you can't take the heat, you got to get out of the kitchen or you'll get thrown out the kitchen. We don't care how frozen the heat is. 
even if it's frozen heat. Some some might even say that that, that that's the uh, warmest heat, frozen heat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You you know how like the blue part of the flame is like the hottest, and like what's the color of oh, ice you're in right. this movie? You're right. You're right. It's blue. I love the colors in this movie. Specifically, I, I mentioned earlier, I, I thought the first act, the animation was a little eh, weird. Mm-hmm. When we hit the let it go number, that's when shit goes crazy. Because <laughs> she does her powers and it, it beautifully, the musicality of the, the animation goes with and blends well with the, the song. But like the, the detail, uh, snowflakes and fragments of all her powers the way that uh as she builds the castle it like kind of this reflective sheen how it bounces off and you get 10 billion different shades of blue who knew there were this many types of blue juxtaposed with like the darkness of of the night and then you get the glow of day as she struts forward like that sequence is incredible but then you get the scene of when Anna and Kristoff meet Olaf and there's all these icicles hanging down and the light shining off of them. I was like, oh, this is a pretty movie. It's a pretty movie. And we forget how pretty it is because the song's so good. One thing I will, I would like to say about um, Let It Go is that it's weird that it's also played as the first song during the credits, considering what the point of the song was. Like, the song is about her rejecting her kingdom and, like, embracing the sort of freedom and isolation. Is it not? Well, on on a literal story level, yes. But as a character song, it's about embracing yourself and self-love in a way. Is it not? So, the reason why I bring this up is because in the credits... You could tell they skip a couple lines. <laughs> oh, I thought I think they changed words in the in the end credit song. Demi yeah. Lovato did not sing the same words that Adina Menzel sang. So it's like you could tell they were trying to make it fit. <laughs> well, I, I think they that was just a pop version of it. There's always a pop version of a Disney song at the end of the movie. Um, they would later right. do it again for Frozen Two. Sure, but like it feels like also in this sense that. that the lines that were cut were more related to that part of the story. In a literal sense? Yes, I think so. I'm going to look up this Demi Lovato version to see what the new lyrics are. But, like, the thing is, you could tell there's, like, parts where they just cut out the lyrics and just let the music hang. Where, like, in the original version, obviously, there were lyrics, but, like, Maybe that wouldn't fit with the ending. So they were like, let's just ignore that part and then move on to the next part. I want to listen to this now. I never wanted to listen to this version before, but now I do have curiosity. Uh, In this, she says, standing frozen in the life I've chosen, you won't find me. The past is all behind me, buried in the snow. That definitely isn't in the ending. (laughs) Uh, That's weird. Sad, sad. Now let's talk about Olaf. Let's talk about Olaf again. Josh so Gad. Like, 
in a star-making turn. What I really love about this is how it highlights the connection between Elsa and Anna before mm-hmm. like they even meet up again. Because his existence at that point makes you realize that Elsa hasn't forgotten about those events either. And they were dear to her the same way that they were held dear for Anna. Sure. Sure. And like, because he, because he's kind of like a, a MacGuffin in that sense, they don't really explain anything to him, which is why it's so funny whenever he asks questions. (laughs) What, what do you mean? Because he's a MacGuffin, they don't explain anything to him. Like, it was, you get the sense that, like, they don't tell him anything because they don't think it's important at points. No, that might be a stretch. Is it not just because he's like a child? <laughs> you don't like, answer thing, every. Ch- no, no, no. But the thing is, like, he was asking plot questions, which usually, like, movies wouldn't do with a character that just comes in midway through the plot the idea being that they explained it to them somewhere off camera but that not the case with this one Mm. Hmm. that's a good point that's interesting and you're saying you liked that yes because understood fit in that context olaf gets the best lines yeah, um, like uh, like when Kristoff says, I have a thick skull. And then Olaf's like, I don't have a skull or bones. <laughs> I have that line. I have the, it's so random because it's them, them walking, traveling to get to Elsa. And then it cuts to later on in the travels. But right before it cuts, Olaf walks into this icicle and goes, oh, look, I've been impaled. Oh... Uh... Olaf is wonderful. I wait. Do I have a thing I wanted to ask? I did not have a thing I wanted to ask. I thought I had more about Olaf I wanted to say. The in summer scene stands out just visually because it's so different. You know that was also a fun song. So fun. <laughs> they, like they that can't... moment where he happens upon the puddle, but like doesn't <laughs> a happy snowman. <laughs> It very much felt like um so so the music was done by the husband and wife team of Robert Lopez and Kristen Anderson Lopez. They mm-hmm. also worked on uh the Winnie the Pooh movie before this. Robert Angers. Ro- Robert Lopez. You know the EGOT? Mm-hmm. Not only did he get the EGOT, he did it twice. <laughs> He's gotten all four awards at least twice. Hmm. Um he did uh he did uh, Frozen. Him and Chris Anderson Lopez would go on to do Remember Me from Coco. He has two Emmys for the Wonder Pets. Hell yeah. <laughs> he has two Grammys from Frozen, one Grammy from the Book of Mormon, and his Tonys are for Avenue Q in the Book of Mormon. And there's this kind of off-kilter... Uh, subversion that he likes to do with the lyrics uh, that you see a lot in like an Avenue and a Book of Mormon that you get in that moment of happy snowman because you know it's going to be puddle but then it's like a quick turn out of nowhere um, so yeah that's I just wanted to bring up the, those yeah. two they're wonderful 
Um, I, I, I love the, the, the colors in that scene as well because the green and the reds and the oranges are so vibrant in a way you don't get to when everything's covered in snow and sad and cold. Um, there was there was dancing birds in that scene with little hats I never noticed before. It's adorable. One thing I do find fascinating about Olaf's character is how he huh. is fascinated with this thing that can kill him. Are we not all fascinated with death? Like he's unaware of it. Yes. He's but he's fascinated with the unknown. And the thing that I find interesting is that uh, he cheats it at the end. He's cheating death. Get ready for Frozen 2. Oh, no. They they do kind of just, like, shoo-shoo it in this one. It's like, oh, I guess I'm melting now. And also, like, no, 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 I'm going to make you a, a cloud. In a sense, like... Now he can't escape that cloud. So in a sense, he is living in his own purgatory. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry. What? Is is he going to become like... <laughs> I, okay, here's my prediction for Frozen 2 as someone who hasn't seen it. Uh, Olaf is going to become the only snow that never melts. Like he's titanium snow. I don't know if that's correct or not. <laughs> and I've watched this movie. <laughs> In retrospect, not to get too deep in this topic, we'll, we'll get into in like 10, 15 weeks. I don't think there's a lot of snow in Frozen 2. <laughs> so I'm like, is it Frozen also? Or is it an ironic 2? Too Frozen, too Furious. <laughs> I write that down. Write that down. Write that down somewhere. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna use that for something. I don't know why. <laughs> but like again that goes back to the idea of them not wanting a sad ending because it's like you know what let, let, let that snowman die man <laughs> but that's the death of their childhood innocence and the bond between two sisters you know what he'll come back next winter <laughs> wait would it be the same Olaf is the snow what makes Olaf, or is it the magic within? It's, it's the magic within. So, in a sense, oh. Elsa is Olaf. Elsa, Olaf, they both have an L and an A in the name. And then it's that weird moment from Chamber of Secrets when Tom Riddle goes, Tom Marvolio Riddle, I am Lord Voldemort. It's like, that's such a convoluted way to switch the letters. But Elsa, Olaf, there's a silent E in Olaf. <laughs> you know, you just you just rearrange the letters, take some out, put some new ones in. It's fine. You take off that bottom line of the E, so the E becomes an F. <laughs> the S curves inside out to make the S and O. But it's like a diac. It's really odd. I don't know if this imagery is working on the podcast. Can the audience see the word, the images that we are creating in the head? If not, if if anyone would like to give us some money and like we'll hire someone to make yeah. the actual visual effects. Or or if you're a fan and you know some arts, you want to send some fan art of 
the word yeah, Elsa sent. turning into Olaf. Hit them with where, the email. Where could they hit them, send hit them it? Them with the email. <laughs> hit them with that email, Bond. A billion dollar movie club at gmail at yahoo at aol at aim dot com. Is there a hyphen there? Uh, no. Nah, there, there's like three backslashes though somewhere in there. <laughs> My next question was, is there a backslash? <laughs> <laughs> so Elsa and Olaf are one. Yes. Does that mean that while Elsa's singing Let It well, Go, no, no, Olaf no, no, is no, also no, singing no, Let It Go? No, no, no. They aren't one, but like part of Olaf is in Elsa. Oh. It's like it's like how <laughs> it's like how all squares are rectangles, but not all rectangles are squares. <laughs> I get it now. That makes sense. This is what we do on this show. <laughs> we come to these scientific conclusions. However, we're not done with the conclusion of this film, I think. Um, what is with that Hans shift? It's, it's handled pretty well, I think, with like the music building up to that sort of romantic end, but then like it cuts off. Yes, in the moment. But in, so I'm watching this movie for the first time in like six, seven years in full. And I'm like, okay, do they tease the Hans turn anywhere? Listen, when I was watching it, I was seeing that Love is an Open Door song and I was like, ah, ah, it's right. It's right I didn't get that. But then also, like, he's genuinely helpful to everyone. Is this Disney trying to do like a like a promising young woman where it's like the nice guys are also mean? Well, see, the thing is, I feel like maybe he would have been a better ruler because we haven't seen Elsa or Anna take charge in any sense. <laughs> Elsa became queen that day and her her people said, oh, go away. So she went away. She did what they wanted. Yeah, but you they know what? They wanted her we, to go we, away, so she we went literally, away. But see, the thing is, even the previous king and queen... We saw them do a lot less than Hans did. <laughs> I have a question about this. They're king and queen. They die. Like 10 years go by and then Elsa becomes queen? Yeah. Who was in charge in the interim? Uh, a Jafar type character. <laughs> See, now that would be more interesting. Again, I told you like the beginning would have been a whole movie in older Disney guess I guess I like how Olaf didn't realize Kristoff's name and called him Sven for like half of the movie again that's that goes back to the thing where like no one like fills him in and like how that works in this movie as opposed to most others that joke should not make me laugh as much as it does with each subsequent, 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 sub-zero, each sub-zero use of the joke. Sub-zero, like frozen, like cold. Whoa. Ooh. Whoa. Look at us making, making the references to not heat. <laughs> yeah, because we don't care about that 1995 
Michael Mann, Robert De Niro. You know what? Uh, now I'm going to have to fact check you movie? on that. I think it's 90, 95 or 96. It's 95. Pacino? You got it right. Yeah. Pacino, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. No. Who is it? Oh, wait. Yes, it's Pacino and De Niro. Okay. For a second, I saw Val Kilmer before one of the other two he's names. So I was like, wait, Val Kilmer's one of the leads in that one? Okay. I think he's like third or fourth lead. He, I remember third. that movie being a big deal because it was like the only Pacino De Niro movie. But as I said that, I was like, wait, they did Irishman later. So was Irishman their one movie together? But no, they did both of those movies together. Fun fact, in the time it would take to watch Heat, and the Irishman, you could watch Frozen 93 times. Wait, what? Heat and Irishman, both very long movies. <laughs> Heat's not that long. I think it's like, like three hours long, isn't it? Michael Mann doesn't make that long movies, does he? Yeah. Oh, damn, it is. <laughs> two hours, 52 minutes. Yeah, wow. Irishman, three and a half hours. Oh, he also well, no, he did the he was a producer for that. What? Last of the Mohicans. I feel like Michael Mann is one of those directors that has this reputation, but I don't know what his big movie is. It Heat is that the Michael Mann movie? I'd say it's more Collateral. Collateral. I feel like people don't talk about Collateral, but it's all over the cable channels. Is it? Yes. He also has what the insider, right, with Russell Crowe. Uh, he has Black Hat. <laughs> Black Hat is that's the Hemsworth one, right? That's yeah, the, that no one watched. Well, because it was it was him trying to do hacking, and like he, he, he can't do that. Like at that point, people had finally figured out how to do it, because that's when the first season of Mr. Robot started airing. Black Hat was before that. Yeah, like slightly before. Okay, okay. I think it was the same year. 2015? When did, when did Robots 15, right? Um, now I'm looking it up. He did a Miami Vice movie with Colin Farrell and Jamie Foxx. Yeah, people, people don't talk about that one. What the heck? Uh, Mr. Miami Robot Vice started June 24th, 2015. I think Black Hat was like a January release, if my memory serves me. Yeah, Ooh, January. January. That's how Michael Mann did Ali. He did Ali. Oh, he actually did direct Last of the Mohicans. Sorry, huh. this has become a, a Michael Mann retrospective podcast. <laughs> From episode. two people who know he exists. Have you I seen mean, any of his movies? I haven't seen any of his movies. I've seen Collateral. Uh, my brother really likes Collateral. Um, that's that's the one with Will Smith and the, the spirits coming to talk to him, right? No. <laughs> That's what Jamie Foxx and Tom Cruise. I know Collateral Beauty is the one I was talking about in Jess. Oh, right. I forgot about that. <laughs> I hoped that. you were going to pick up on that, and you didn't. Maybe maybe you'll see that in an upcoming episode. Who knows? No! <laughs> we'll see what happens. I'll be honest, as I slowly started watching more and more Kira Knightley movies, there's a part of me like, fuck, am I going to watch Collateral Beauty? <laughs> am I going to make myself do this? It has a good cast. It has a great cast. I don't know why they attach themselves to that movie. Who directed that movie? 
Collateral Beauty, David Frankel, written by Alan Loeb. I don't know either of these names. Oh, the dude did Devil Wears Prada and Marley and Me. That's reasonable. Do, do you know what the twist of Collateral Beauty is? Yeah, they actually are the spirits, right? No. Isn't it like his, his daughter died? Oh, wasn't like his daughter died and it's, it's Naomi Harris now or something? So, the people at his company hired... You know what? Just in case, just in case we do do an episode on it, I'm not going to spoil <laughs> But it... Leave a comment it, below if you want an episode on Collateral Beauty. It is so ridiculous that people thought that this would... <laughs> it's his company wanted him... He's like stuck in depression because of his daughter dying or something. And so the company wants to get him to be, think he's crazy, right? <laughs> and they hire these fake actors, but those ended up actually being like spirit guardian angels. Like, oh, it's it's feel good. Like, <laughs> his employees try to usurp his <laughs> position by making him look crazy. An intriguing thought. <laughs> so back to Frozen. I hope you enjoyed the Michael Mann Collateral Beauty Hour. <laughs> uh, um, do we have anything else to say? Sven's fun. Um, I. <laughs> so you know how they're chasing after Elsa and they come mm -hmm. back to Arendelle? My mind was like, oh, it's like Mad Max Fury Road. Because you know, the one big complaint I feel like people have about Fury Road is that, quote unquote, I disagree, quote unquote, nothing happens because they go from point A to point B back to point A. You know, see, the thing is, a lot of the times when people say nothing happens in a movie, they're not actually paying attention. Oh, I know. I know. I just thought it was very funny that I thought Frozen was like Fury Road. And I like to think that George Miller, you know, he, he made Happy Feet. He's a fan of the animation. I like to think that he kept up with Frozen. It was like, oh, I like this. Let me take the script that I've been working on for a decade, but still haven't made. And let's <laughs> tweak it to be like Frozen. You know, another great example of people missing the point is uh, the play Waiting for Godot. Because everyone's it. like, oh, it's just two people waiting twice. <laughs> and it's like, no, no, no. You missed the point. There's so much more that happens if you just look a little bit deeper. There's so many actions in that play. It's as if it's not about the destination, but rather the journey one takes. Some may say it's the climb. <laughs> you know, there's always going to be another mountain. <laughs> and I'm always going to want to make it move, you know. <laughs> I don't remember what the next line was. I was going to keep going. But I, don't I can't tell if I told this story on the podcast where I feel like I must have mentioned it to you. But when I think of that song, I think of, um, was it, was it Parkland, the shooting in, in the, the school in Florida? What? Why? Hold on, hold on. So, so they had the kids from that school did like, uh, 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 an event to like raise awareness or something in DC. And they had Miley Cyrus performing the climb in this event. While this event was going on, I was in a Popeyes and it was on TV. 
And I'm sitting there eating my fried chicken, watching my Isaiah sing the song, and like getting on the verge of tears because I'm moved by the the hope that these kids in Miley Cyrus have given me as I consume my fried chicken skin. As I devour on this dead animal. <laughs> I go, oh. Yeah, that's what I think of when I think of the climb. You know, uh, I had a cousin who was like working on his master's. Mm. Uh, didn't didn't like Hannah Montana or anything, but like one of the five songs he had on his iPhone was The Climb. <laughs> well, obviously that's not Hannah Montana. That's Miley Cyrus. All right. What do you think? They're the same person? You think they're the same person? You know what? That show was ahead of its time and how like we're all living this double life. This facade. <laughs> it was it was uh, uh, an indictment on the social media age before social media was a thing. I mean, of course, it wasn't as pointed as the anime serial experiments lane, but I digress. Did you say the name of a show? I did, yes. Yeah, just to do that little mic drop. Just to drop that name. Well, uh, that that's a show that's more deliberately about how it's very much a mood piece about um, living a double life online as opposed to in reality and in a sense creating those two versions of yourself. Hmm. Intrigued. Speaking of moods, mm-hmm. I love very much the sequence when the um, when the Duke's men try to kill Elsa, and then you get these great like reds and purples and oranges that really make it dramatic. Like I assume those are the same colors you see in uh, uh, um, uh, um, Revenge of the Sith during the higher ground scene. <laughs> No, 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 no. It's not higher ground. It's high ground. Okay. I apologize. I'm going to rewatch. I'm going to watch those movies in preparation for the Star Wars movies we have to talk about. I'm trying to think. Was there a high ground moment in this movie now? Um, when he goes to kill her? I don't know what a high ground moment is. I just assume. <laughs> I'll be honest. There's a moment where they're hanging off a cliff. That's a very high ground. I, I figured it out, but I'll bring it up later. Oh, I love the I love the little <laughs> joke in this movie when they, they were being chased by the wolves and they mm-hmm. jump and the sled falls down and then Kristoff looks down and the sled just bursts into fires. <laughs> the flames are randomly. Well, because, you know, it's made of wood. They had that torch on it. Yeah. Was there Maybe some gunpowder in there somewhere. <laughs> oh, you know you need gunpowder when you're digging for ice. <laughs> I. They never explain any of the magic. Now, it, don't worry. It kind of feels incidental in this movie. Don't worry. They attempt to in the second one. But there's this one line in the prologue when the parents take Elsa and uh, Anna to the trolls. And then the head troll goes, uh, where is it? Where is it? The head troll goes, uh, I have the line. It's something along this line of, uh, oh, was she born with it or was she cursed? So I'm like, hold on. There's curses. <laughs> curses and other people have these powers? 
I, I just I just got another stupid idea. For later. Save it. Save it yeah. for later. <laughs> but then we come back to the trolls who for some reason take like 10 minutes to reveal themselves for a weird joke. Oh yeah, that song too. It's fun. <laughs> I don't need it. And I don't think they really do anything. They don't. They don't. Except like true love. They tell them that true love is needed, I guess. You know what? Speaking of which, that's one thing I got to give props to this movie for. Oh, I did want to bring this up. Go on. You, you very rarely see uh, media or movies, TV, books, whatever, that focus on non-romantic love. Very nice. It's very nice to see that. And I mean, this movie doesn't really focus on it, but it is the pivotal moment. Doesn't focus on the sisterly love? The bond that forces Anna to chase after Elsa the entire time? Hmm. I guess. But like, that, it feels that's... like the text is more focused on the romantic relationships that Anna has more as a red herring. But aren't the romantic relationships always secondary to her caring about her sister? She doesn't just okay, yeah, go to get married with um, Hans. She asks for her sister's blessing at first. Hmm. And then feels betrayed when her sister doesn't agree with her. And then all the, the the pent up anger about them growing apart comes out, and then and then, you know. Fair enough. I think that's one that's one of the wonderful things about the recent Disney movies, is even the the quote unquote Disney movies of Frozen and Moana, they don't get a love interest at the end, because they don't need one. They don't need no man. Can you do the snap like that? What do you not mean? physically. I mean, like, societally, can you do that snap? <laughs> what do you mean? I don't know. That felt weird. Do it again. It worked. We'll find out. Leave a comment below. Listen, all right. <laughs> oh, was that James Corden on your screen? <laughs> James, big fan. <laughs> But yeah, I I love that um, Frozen, they're not married at the end. Even Frozen, eh, um, I, um, what was I going to say? Uh, Moana, she doesn't get a man. She's just friends with the rock. Um, Zootopia, she doesn't get a dude. So the way you just said that uh, she's friends with the rock, I forgot <laughs> that Dwayne the Rock Johnson was in that movie and I thought it was a reference to like other troll characters <laughs> They also have troll characters in Moana. Have you not seen Moana? I have not. That's probably my favorite. That and Wreck-It Ralph are my two favorites of this new era of Disney. Hmm. And we're not going to get a chance to talk about Moana, but visually, that movie's all on water, and the things they do with water is just... Mwah. I'll be honest. Um, movies and like shows like that that are very much stuck in one background don't really call to me that much well you're not a fan of all is lost what is that 
2013, I think, Robert Redford is like lost at sea and it's just him on a raft the entire movie. I never got to watch it. But it's like Castaway without the island or Wilson, I guess. I saw Waterworld. Yeah, but that's the world. It's in the title. The water is the world. Yeah, and that was boring. I don't want water. <laughs> I've never watched Waterworld. I did very briefly play this kid in high school. He had his virtual boy with him, and I played Waterworld on the virtual boy. Wait, you knew someone with a virtual boy in school? Yes. One, you knew the people I hung out with. Yeah, but like the virtual boy. One of them brought a virtual boy in one day. I was like, you whoa. Need, like, y- people in, like, grade school had virtual boys. High school. I thought that's a... Oh, oh okay. You th- oh, no, That I, makes complete... I, I said, no, high school. <laughs> no, when you're in grade school, you're not old enough to use a virtual boy. It's going to destroy your eyes. <laughs> that makes complete sense. Because you hung out with nerds who were like, Final Destination, no items. That's the only way to play Smash. Fuck off. Jigglypuff is the greatest. It's like, wow, you know, they just threw in these other elements like items and diverse and dynamic maps for no reason. <laughs> but I digress. <laughs> Again, the the true love of being the sisterly blonde blonde. Sisterly bond is a is a beautiful uh shift to the disney template i I think is very nice oh and the blizzard at the end that blizzard and them walk ah it looked great i don't know i am a simple man who doesn't know how things work right Mm -hmm. but it's reported that i think let me let me look at the actual number because it's ridiculous tangled so the the film tangled released in 2010 right Mm mm-hmm I don't know if you know this. One of the most expensive movies ever made. Tangled had a budget of $260 million. Wow. A lot of it went into figuring out how uh, Rapunzel's hair worked, is my understanding. <laughs> this film, $150 million. It felt like a lot of the money may have went to the, towards the snow. Yeah. Because whenever the snow was on, I was like, yes, this is incredible to look at. <laughs> this powder. You know what I like? I want to ingest it. You know? <laughs> I like, I like a little uh, that snow, you know, that powder. For those who are only listening and just heard those sounds and don't know what it is, it's uh, Masinson's nostrils. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah. Well, it's that's me channeling another 2013 film, The Wolf of Wall Street. I'm surprised that one didn't make a billion dollars considering how much people talk about it. Uh, well, you know, Wolf of Wall Street, three hours long. So fewer, half as many showings as Frozen. And so you can't sell as many tickets when there's fewer showings. Of course, that's the only reason. <laughs> Have anything else you want to say about this? I really like this movie. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed this movie a lot too. Hopefully Frozen 2 doesn't ruin it. I don't uh, spoiler alert, I don't think Frozen 2's terrible. I think it's a mess. But I don't think it's terrible. I think you could you can enjoy it if you 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 know that brain? Just the tap it twice. 
turn off. You know what? I I don't I don't like when people say that though. Oh well, I'm, I apologize for crossing to you then. Like, because like, that's just. It's like when people say that about the Transformers movies. It's like no no no, I enjoy how stupid it is with my brain on. Thank you very much. Well, I have an important question for you. Go ahead. So. Two Transformer movies made a billion dollars worldwide, yes. Yes. However, neither of them holds the title of highest grossing domestic Transformer movie. That goes to Revenge of the Fallen. Which film made more money domestically, Revenge of the Fallen or Frozen? I'm going to guess Revenge of the Fallen. Yep. (laughs) Listen. Listen, that, that movie has the iconic line where John Turturro says, I'm standing beneath <laughs> the enemy's testicles. How can you not give that movie more money in America? Truck spoke, balls, Missins. <laughs> it really, you know, what's, what's more American than sisterly love? Truck, truck balls. balls. <laughs> truck nuts. <laughs> oh, well, that is... The end of that part of our discussion, right? I believe. Uh, yeah. Now, great movie. Mm-hmm. It's not a perfect piece of cinema. No, nothing's ever. So, Masinson. First time with me. How how would you, how would you, uh, trans trans modify this uh film into a better work? All right. So. As we know, we've discussed no no singing in the final half. I think that's a mistake, you know. I but you know it's it's an expensive movie. Maybe mm-hmm. you couldn't pay the Lopez's the Anderson Lopez's to write more songs. <laughs> so I think you gotta add some music, the little jukebox musical Lee, right? So let me pull up. Let me pull up. So uh, Anna, right? Who uh, we didn't mention. The cast is great in this movie. Jonathan Groff is wonderful as Kristoff. Uh, Anna and Elsa's uh, Edina Menzel and Kristen Bell are, are terrific. What was... Oh, you got an idea. I'm excited for this idea. No, I just remembered something I wanted to say earlier, but like it doesn't matter. Go ahead. Okay. So, so uh, Kristen Bell's Anna's walking on this frozen lake about to die, and, and Jonathan Groff's Kristoff runs after her. And she turns, and Elsa's about to be killed. Idina Menzel's about to be killed because she's she's giving up. And Anna's freaking out. And so she walks. Now, if you were watching the movie, she gets there really fast, which is very odd. But uh, I think what should happen, right, is this sort of inner monologue. Kristen Bell is gonna be singing, but it's gonna you're not gonna see Anna's mouth moving. She's too sick and tired to, to and almost dead to to move her mouth. And instead, can you hear my cousin yelling in the living room as I heard he, it for a second hold on <laughs> he's like playing video games with his friends so th- it's interesting if you can hear that let me keep talking to drown out so so elsa is going to be no anna is going to be give me one second see this is the issue with um recording in shared spaces it's something you got you got to work with it's like Listen, we're we're not we're not billionaires, all right. I don't know if you have any assumptions that we are, but like 
we have to share some spaces. Wait, Juan, are you not Bruno Mars? I thought you were Bruno Mars and I am Travis McCoy. Oh, right. That song. <laughs> so, yes, back to... But like, even in that song, he said he wanted to be one, not that he was one. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. <laughs> so, Anna is, is walking across sad. And in her mind, Kristen Bell is, say, is singing these words. Dolly Parton's iconic words. If I should stay... I would only be in your way. So I'll go, but I know I'll think of you every step of the way. And then as Anna reaches out to catch the sword, you hear Kristen Bell going, And I will always love you. And the sword slowly comes down as she sings that first chorus. And as... As, as Kristen Bell ends the last you, the sword smacks into the hand, collides. That's the sound of a sword hitting ice. Yes. <laughs> and then the song stops. And Elsa turns around. Like, oh my God, Anna saved me. And then I, I don't know what happens to Hans. I guess he dies somehow. Hans just disappears. And then, and then Elsa's sad that her sister's dead. And so she, as she's crying on uh, and holding onto the body, you know, it's that thing when when people are sad and their foreheads are connected, they like lay their forehead on each other. Wait, they they do show what happened to Hans. No, I don't know. So they're not showing what happens to Hans in this version. So their heads are collided, and as they're leaning, uh, it starts off Menzel also an inner monologue singing, but then she starts singing, "Bittersweet memories. This is all I'm taking with me." So goodbye, please don't cry. You will know I'm not what you need. And then she sings the chorus once more, right? And as the saxophone solo begins, the power of her love melts Anna. It's a slow melt. And as she melts, you hear, that's the power of love. As, As Christoph and Olaf are watching, singing the power of love. Huey Lewis and and the and the uh the the, the big band was Huey Lewis. Hold on. And the news. Huey Lewis and the news. So that's they were singing that as the saxophone solo from "I Will Always Love You" plays, and then they're very happy. And then during the end, uh, the, the saxophone solo also continues after she melts, and then it's a a, a montage showing how they are better off. Mm-hmm. And then as they're about to skate. The two sisters sing the final chorus of I Will Always Love You as that key changes. You know that key change? It's changing and they're belting. It's a beautiful like, ending. Like gears grinding. It's changing. Mm-hmm. It's morphing. Mm-hmm. And that's how you improve this movie. By giving it that finale it needs. A mashup of I Will Always Love You and The Power of Love. You know what? That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Do you have any, do you have any ideas? Maybe you uh, could fix something. So, so uh, one idea I have is, you know, we talked about how we really like that line from Olaf where he says, I don't have a skull or bones. Great line. Great line. Uh, I want him to expand on that and explain how he doesn't have other aspects of human anatomy. It's like, I don't have blood. I don't have a heart. I don't. Have- <laughs> I have a question. 
Yes. Is this tossed in a, a different body part each, like three minutes later in the movie and then eight minutes? Or is it one long monologue <laughs> in that moment? It's one long, long monologue where he's coming to terms with his own existence. Wow. Wow. Yes. Yes. Um, so like you, I think that there's not enough songs at the end. And like, you know, one thing that this movie desperately is missing. A good villain song. Oh, that's a great idea. So like, I, I'd put one like right after uh, he admits that he doesn't love her. Is this an original song or are you also jukebox musical in it and throwing in a popular song? I, I got a terrible idea. That like definitely could not work in this context because like it's not Disney friendly. <laughs> Go ahead. So there's a Chris Brown line. <laughs> Holy crap, this took a turn. <laughs> Where he says, gave her the dick, but I'm not in love. <laughs> and he's singing this line to Anna? <laughs> or is he just reciting it? Like spoken word. Yeah, but like he'd switch around. It's like you want me to, but I'm not in. <laughs> For the uninitiate, can you tell the name of the song so they can look it up later? Jeez, I don't even remember. <sighs> Let oh, me look it up. Give wow. me a sec. What an interesting. Would Chris Brown get a a thank you, a special thanks? <laughs> uh, wow. Oh, right. It, it's from the DJ Khaled song, How Many Times. <laughs> so DJ Khaled is also now involved in this production. Huh. Go on. I just realized, okay, well, well one more thing. Since we're on this tangent, we could also make, <laughs> make that the main theme song of this movie because the main line of that song is, how many times I got to tell that ass to come over. So it's like, it's trying to get Elsa back into the kingdom. How many times I got to tell <laughs> Okay. <laughs> How else would you improve this movie? Um, you know, since I got so blown off track with that tangent, I had an idea for a song that I was going to put at that exact same moment with like uh, Anna running to Elsa. Okay. But I forgot what it was. Oh, right. Okay, go on. You know what? Let's throw in that Aladdin song one step ahead of the bread. <laughs> Wait, what? Because <laughs> she's she's, be once she she's beating the sword to the punch, so it's like I'm ahead of them. <laughs> I don't know if you know what that song's about. <laughs> you know Go what? On. They they could they could switch it around the way they switch around, let oh, it go like for the, the end. Of <laughs> Go on. So, like, um, I brought up earlier that moment where they were like, we'll be fine, Anna. And then, like, the ship. I'd like some voiceover during that narration. <laughs> during the ship moment from the parents. Is it, is it like a narrator coming in saying, hey, parents did? Or is it the parents' their final words as they're about to die? It, it's their final words being like, I guess we weren't fine. <laughs> wow. 
So matter of fact. Yeah. Um, I feel like I had other things. Oh, right, right. The thing I meant to bring up but didn't is that uh, Anna really loves sandwiches. Do you you not love a good sandwich? But like, there's just like one moment towards the end of the movie where she has like this huge sandwich and is just like going to town at it. I'm like, okay. You know what? Like, there's not enough. We need more sandwich love. Like, there's the setup and then like, over an hour later, there's the punchline. You gotta, you gotta set the reminder somewhere you, in the middle. Do you have an idea, or can we workshop this idea right now? You, let's workshop it. A All little right. Bit. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking. She she enters the 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 shop, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Oh, it's over there in the winter section." She looks at the winter section and she's like, "All right, cool, thanks." And as she walks, she turns and sees shelves of sandwiches. <laughs> And there's a good five minute contemplation scene of Anna looking five minutes. <laughs> the okay, winter no. section and the sandwiches trying to figure out does she get what she needs or what she wants? Oh, is is this like that big bang theory episode where Shel where uh, Sheldon's entire uh dilemma for the episode was getting a PS4 or an or an Xbox One? Sure. <laughs> sure. So we'll take the dialogue from that episode line for line. <laughs> That whole 22-minute episode, throw it in the shop scene. Damn, are we on, trying to turn this into heat? <laughs> on that note, when you're talking about the ship crashing, right? You know, Frozen, ship crashing, ice. What other film involves ship crashings and ice? Titanic. Is there a world where we take the entire second half of Titanic, rework it, and throw it into Frozen's prologue? You know what? That needs to be its own song. <laughs> Wait, the entire hour and a half, second half of Titanic is a song? Like, it, the way that the prologue of this movie, like, summarizes, like, long moments that would, like, take a while with dialogue in a song, we'll do that with the second half of Titanic and have that be that part where they show the ship going. Now, you do realize... Them dying happens during a song of Do You Want to Build a Snowman? So is it a song within a song? Yes. Oh, that's not a hat on a hat at all. A song a song. Listen, it's okay. Because there's like, the way this movie exists currently, they just throw away the parents like they don't matter. Let's give them a little bit of weight, all right? Juan, don't worry. Frozen 2. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to say, don't worry. Frozen 2. Now, Pawn, are, are those oh. the last of your adjustments? Uh, you know what? We got how many times we got the Chris Brown. <laughs> oh, God. We got one step ahead of the breath. <laughs> oh, and the bread line because she loves sandwiches. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's all just connecting <laughs> so naturally. And you know what? Let's give that shopkeep dude a song. So the one they have in the musical. Yeah, let's bring the that to the, the movie. That's fair. I don't know what that song is, but you know, bring it over. They did that with Beauty and the Beast. There's a song that's only in the Broadway. I think it was cut in the original movie. They put it in the musical, and then like on the DVD release, they threw it in the in the movie. You know, they they did something similar with the original release of uh, the Lion King. They they threw in an extra song. 
uh, sung by Zazu. Whoa! Wait. Hold on. Are you serious? Zazu's the bird, right? Yes. Yes. Zazu has a song. Yeah, the, the morning report. Oh, I forgot about this. I've never actually listened to it, and I will be looking for that after we record this. I mean, in context of the movie overall, it is very much something that could be easily cut. Hey, but just yeah. because it could doesn't mean it should. All right. We asked ourselves if we could do it, but not if we should do it. Well, I, I thought I just did the other way around. Did you? I just wanted to reference Jurassic Park to, to bring in the Billion Dollar Movie Club cinematic universe. You know what? There's not enough there's not enough dinosaurs in this movie either. Not at all. Not at all. Like we got reindeers, sure, but like no dinosaurs. Mm. <laughs> Throwing dinosaurs in this movie too. Can I throw in a post credit scene idea? Go ahead. I wasn't aware this movie actually has a post credit scene. Yeah. I didn't know that, so I didn't watch it. However, I have a better one. I don't, watch, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I have a better one. There's this brief line when Kristoff uh, oh, is reuniting with the trolls. And they're telling him all the stuff they've done. Like, oh, I've grown a mushroom. As one dude comes and he goes, he goes, I passed a kidney stone. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. <laughs> the post-credit scene is the troll on the toilet passing the kidney stone in real time. So I just remembered that I was going to bring up the high ground. And there is a moment in this film where it, it would fit. And like wow. for all we know, maybe maybe the character did say it. It is the moment where um Oh no, he didn't. So you remember the big ice monster Elsa creates to yes. like push them away. Sure. Um so at the end, when they're all the way at the bottom of the hill and the thing says, never come back. It should be like, <laughs> I have the high ground, so you should never come back. <laughs> this may it's be, over. <laughs> this may be the longest segment of us improving a movie we've done, <laughs> but it just gets better. Also, the uh, actual post credit scene involved that ice monster in the uh, Let It Go castle just putting on the crown. Oh, that's adorable. I think that's... So, you know what? We, we got, right? we've, we've given a long list of how we'd improve the movie. We've talked about this movie along with Michael Mann and yeah, Collateral and Michael Beauty. Mann and Collateral and Collateral <laughs> Beauty. That's not even... I think we had like a, a, a tangent before that that was also very long. Oh. Probably. Now, uh, those are all opinions ideas formulating in the mind mm -hmm. and yet they're not the fact they're not the cold hard facts all right they're not math no except for that time i referenced squares and rectangles wait are squares math yes all right first numbers and letters i can go with letters but now you're telling me shapes or math too yo Listen, when I was in high school and they brought out that geometry and it's like lines and like you connect lines to make shapes and like that's math. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's too much, man. 
I'm not here for this math conspiracy. But it's okay. We're not talking about math. We're not talking about the maths. We're I mean, we about- are talking about the maths, but now we're not talking about the conspiracy. No, we're talking, talking about, about facts. Facts. The numbers. Where does Frozen rank on the list of billion dollar movie clubs? <laughs> yes, the clubs. <laughs> All right, let's share the screen. Because you know what? Each, each of these movies is a team. And like, where's the rank? Where's each team landing? Heads. Upon, you're going for heads as we flip the coin. Uh, Puan, I would like you to knock to make the coin flip. It's flipping. It lands on tails. Oh. Oh. Okay. All right. Okay. Last week's film was Jurassic Park. Yes, it was. It was. All right, Puan. Time for the questions. Since Jurassic Park is sandwiched, I think you still have sandwiched. to say Jurassic. I think you still have to ask about Jurassic Park. Do you like this film better or worse than Jurassic Park? I like this better than Jurassic Park. Do you like this film better or worse than Titanic? I really want to say better than Titanic, but I don't. I think Titanic's better than this movie. All right. So we got between 20 and 24. 20 and 24 in this Elsatron on the five? 24, right? Yes. So, I think so. Let's let's double check. Yes. 20 to 24. 20 to 24. And today, Frozen is ranked at number 24. 24. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> this list is a mess and I love it. Okay. What is this list? So at number 47, we have Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. At number, at 46, number 46, Alice in Wonderland. At number 45, Toy Story 3. 44, Avatar. 41, Transformers Dark of the Moon, which you will soon see. <laughs> our oh, yeah, that's next on. week. 37, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. Number 34, Star Wars Episode 1, The Phantom Menace. 33, The Dark Knight. Rises. 32, The Dark Knight. 31, Marvel's The Avengers. 28, The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey. 27, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. 26, Jurassic Park. 25, Iron Man 3, T-H-R-E-E 3. <laughs> 24, Frozen. Tied at 21, <laughs> Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas and who knows? 19, Titanic. Number 3, Lord of the Rings Return of the King. 1, Skyfall. Was that Judy Dench dying right there? What was that noise? Oh, I'm sorry. M. Let's not say Judy Dench dying. A lot of old celebrities have been dying recently, and I'm kind of sad. Please take care, Judy Dench. So that's that's the list. That's, that's, you know, it's going to be crazy when we eventually see what ties with Dr. Seuss. It's gonna be. I for a second thought the two snow movies were gonna tie, but that's not how. Oh, no, no. How the snow fell. That's how the sky fell, but not how the snow fell. What can you do? Well, that was All this right. week's Thank episode. you for joining us for an episode of Billion Dollar Movie Club. It's the Billion Dollar Movie Club in this week's episode of Frozen. I hope you enjoyed building those snowmen and, and making those podcasts. 
Next week, we're discussing the one entry from 2014. Truly, the only entry you would think it has to be a very special movie if it's the only entry of that year. I mean, it's got robot dinosaurs. Robot dinosaurs. It's <laughs> Transformers Age of Extinction. I believe it's currently on Hulu. Hulu? Uh, or FX Movies. Hold on. No, it's not currently on Hulu. Where the frick? We'll figure it out. You'll figure out because who knows when you're watching this or listening to this. Yeah, it's, Maybe it it's is. part of FX movies, so you gotta. Okay, I think we have that with cable. We'll figure. Yeah, it out. but it's not. It's edited for television. We'll... So. Oh my god, I can't. We'll discuss it. We'll discuss it. But that was this week's episode of the Billion Dollar Movie Class. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us for today's lesson of the Billion Dollar yeah. Movie Class. Get, study up for next week's test. <laughs> Uh, we're we're, we're dropping prop quiz uh tomorrow at three three thirty a pop quiz. Just ready for that. Uh, shouts to Max Lismaki as always for the wonderful art. Uh, shout outs to we didn't talk enough about them. Idina Menzel, Kristen Bell really carry this movie with their wonderful voices. Um, shout outs shout to, out to the parents. The parents they were there, <laughs> and then they weren't for most of it. Sometimes, oh, I thought you meant the parents of the kids who brought them to the movies. You meant the parents in the movie. I see. Yeah. yeah. Uh, shout out to John Travolta. I hope you finally learned how to say Adina Menzel. Wait, what? When he present, when she performed the song at the Oscars, mm-hmm. and he said, "Sing, let let it go." Adele Dazim. What? <laughs> you don't remember this? This was a huge I thing. I don't. <laughs> he said, "Sing, let it go." Adele Dazim. Listen, sometimes reading is hard. All right. He said so confidently, though. Reading is hard. It's fascinating to watch that clip. As if John Travolta wasn't enough of an enigma. I mean, he's no Russell Crowe. No. No. <laughs> Today is your. <laughs> what was. That was me doing his Les Mis. That's what I thought. <laughs> I feel bad for Russell Crowe and Les Mis. I was watching, there's this clip of them rehearsing for their Oscar performance. And everyone's just looking at Russell Crowe as he's he's behind on the music and off tempo. It's like, oh, oh Russell Crowe. You didn't he tried his best. You, you didn't realize what you were signing up for. So join us next week for Transformers age of extinction and catch up on the episode that's been in the vault this entire time but yeah we're gonna release both transformer episodes see you then see you then oh i've been impaled jason <laughs> they are